What more can one say? This is game seven. everyone and welcome back once again to the little hockey podcast as always jordan and i are your co-hosts say hi jordan hey everybody yeah real enthusiastic as always <laughs> i feel yeah it's a tuesday night here uh sorry for getting this to you guys a little late uh we got really busy over the uh labor day weekend and uh if i'm being completely honest i forgot that i that i was on a podcast until yesterday night and I texted Jordan like, oh, shit, we have a podcast to do. And he's like, oh, shit, we do. And so uh, rather than try and rush it out and get it out last night, we figured we'd take our time and uh, make it seem a little bit more uh, organized tonight. Uh, so that's why you're getting a little late. Apologies for that. But, um, you know, life is life and sometimes you forget things. Uh, as always, don't forget to rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Any five-star reviews, we'll read them on the show. And you can find us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any, any podcast streaming service we are on. Um, a little bit of uh, news that we wanted to share before hopping right into everything. Um, because we've been on such busy work schedules and because things just uh, haven't quite gone as we had hoped in regards to the podcast, uh, we are going to kind of tone back on the general NHL coverage just because with our busy work schedules, like I was saying, we don't have the time to properly cover it. And we kind of felt like the last few episodes we've been putting out when we've tried to do that, they just weren't our best and we weren't very happy with them. So we are going to go back to an Ottawa and Toronto podcast. We'll still touch on the playoffs and how everything's going, but we won't do any in-depth looks or uh, long conversations on series that we frankly aren't watching. Uh, so that's just the main thing I wanted to say. Uh, and today we're going to get started with that exactly, touching on these series that have happened and how Jordan and I should never, ever publicly cheer for any team ever again. Right, Jordan? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I say that, but I'm pretty sure I'm doing about as well as I do um, in most playoff years when I'm trying to predict who's going to win everything like my brackets are always busted by like game four of the playoffs so uh apparently what do i know well one thing i find kind of funny is that last year the team that kind of ruined everyone's brackets was columbus because they kicked out tampa in the first round i feel like the team teams doing that this year are the islanders and the stars because no one really expected expected too much out of them and now both of them are in the conference finals and um, look like they quite possibly could make it to the cup final, as we were mentioning before. It's kind of weird how that works. Yeah, and I really don't care for it, I have to say. I don't – I don't. the last thing I want is a Dallas Islanders um, cup finals. The second last thing I want is either of those teams playing in the cup finals. Like, 
I, I would have no interest in watching a series that involved them at this point, not because they're not good teams or anything. It's just, I, I don't really care about Dallas. And uh, as I've said previously, fuck the Islanders. Yeah. What sounds better? Dallas versus the Islanders or Vegas versus Tampa? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds nice. I like that. That sounds like some exciting hockey. Yeah. I'd watch like two and a half games of that series. I'd watch game seven of that series. for sure. (laughs) Well, I mean, we may get our wish. Uh, Vegas did lose their opening game to Dallas one, nothing, but uh tampa made the islanders look like a bag of pucks which was very interesting did you see that uh i didn't get to see the game unfortunately um because we were both Story playing of playoffs. well we were both playing we were on the ice when yeah. that game was going on so we didn't get to see any of it but um Shout yeah I, I was i was very pleased to see that hopefully uh the rest of the series goes that exact same way Maybe we can get it over with by like halfway through game three. They'll just call it out of a mercy rule. Yeah. For those of you who didn't watch the game or haven't heard the in game one of the Eastern conference finals, uh, Tampa beat the number one defensive team, the New York Islanders in these playoffs, uh, eight to two, uh, Nikita Kucherov and Braden point both getting five points in that game. It was absolutely incredible. And, um, I said at the beginning when we were first making our predictions that I always bet against Tampa because they haven't shown me a reason to bet for them. Um, they're showing it now. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Tampa just completely shit kicks the Islanders. Cause I think that'd be hilarious. Also as a sense fan, I kind of want the Islanders first round pick this year to be a bit better. Uh, that being said, if the Islanders do beat Tampa, they better win the cup. Because then, as again, as a Sense fan, we get an extra third, uh, third round pick in that Pajot trade that happened back on the trade deadline. Uh, as for Vegas and Dallas, uh, eh, like I don't really have much else to say. Vegas has so you, former so Senators. You, you're more excited about the prospect of a third round pick than seeing Mark Stone win the cup. Is that's what you're telling me? Mark Stone doesn't play for my team anymore. Why would I care? because uh, he was a really good player for your team wouldn't like yeah and now he's a really good player for some other team i don't care well fine whatever that's cool <laughs> hey, i like yeah it would be awesome to see him and robin leonard for that matter because of his oh, story yeah. win a cup like it'd be great to see them win a cup uh i would rather get a third round pick than watch uh, a team that has no effect on my team whatsoever win a cup i'd rather that third round pick because then at least it it affects my team in a positive way uh, but yeah, that that's boring, lame. I mean, that's boring. I'm lame. Saying, I'm saying I don't want to see one of the most likable guys in the NHL win a cup because I'd rather a third round pick. Yeah, you you hipster, <laughs> you don't like it because everybody else wants it to happen. That's what that's what's wrong with you. It's not that I don't want it to happen. It's just that I would rather the third round pick because then my team gets. Yeah, you it. you don't want it to happen you're actively <laughs> cheering it cheering against it is what i'm hearing well former ottawa senator jg pajot would win a cup and wouldn't that be a great story as well no it wouldn't because fuck the islanders remember yeah but i'm a sense fan so i think it's hilarious if the no, islanders win fucking garbage stupid stupid ass sport <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if the Islanders do win, I think uh, a lot of teams going in the future will put a lot more emphasis into their goalies – or not their goalies, sorry, their coaching and the scouting for their next uh, head coach. Because uh, I think the Islanders are proving with Barry Trotz that a coach m- can make and break a team. Oh, I mean, you mean, I'm sure that's not a hot take, You mean but still. They, they'd have to do more research than just going through their phone and seeing who they texted most recently? Or yeah, fishing or, out of that pool of like thirty-one guys that are head yeah, coaches in the NHL. The, the only people that are qualified in the entire world to be NHL coaches somehow have already been NHL coaches for a long time. Who would have thought? Granted, I will say, uh, uh, I think one of the most fascinating coaches in the league is John Tortorella, just because he was he was this wild and crazy coach in the early 2000s and late 90s. And then essentially the league just said, no, fuck you. We're all done with you. He went on broadcasting for a bit. He came back with Columbus and he tried his old stuff. And then the team was like, look, you can't pull that crap anymore. You got to change. And to his credit, he did. And now the Columbus Blue Jackets are a pretty solid team. And um, apparently the, the players really like Torts. Somehow he's turned into a player's coach after being one of the most well, he, he always hard ass no, coaches. He always, he always was a player's coach. Players have, for the most part, always liked playing for him, except for skilled players. Because I was say, that, unless your name's Anthony Duclair. That, well, that was like his uh, – the biggest criticism of him when he was in Vancouver was people were like, yeah, John Tortorella tried to get the Sedins to block shots. And it's like, yeah. If that's what you're trying to do, then you don't really understand what the skills of your players are. But it just seems like the team he's on now better suits his coaching style than a lot of teams have in the past. I'm pretty sure he probably tried to get Panarin to block shots, and Panarin just laughed at him and walked away. (sighs) I feel like that could have been a fun conversation. Hey, I would too. I've, I've blocked like beer league shots, and that sucks. I'm not blocking um, NHL shots. <laughs> so um, I don't know if I told you, but uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know me, uh, a few years ago when I was working at a uh, lumber, I promise this will make sense. I'm not going off a tangent, but this you said blocking shots, and this reminded me of it. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was working at a lumber yard, uh, I got a piece of welded wire mesh through my leg, through my left uh, calf, and went in between my two shin bones in one side out the other, and um. Uh, since then I obviously have a scar, no nerve damage anymore. I had some, uh, uh, minor temporary nerve damage, but now it's just a bit of a weaker muscle. And Jordan and I, when we were on the ice yesterday, I get really bad shin splints. So I was trying to get off, trying to get off. And then one of the guys we were playing dropping with just wired a slap shot right into my friggin' shin and just in my entire leg just went numb. And I was just hobbling off the ice but we only had one sub, so I would hobble off, sit down for 30 seconds, and then get back on the ice not being able to skate. And it's like, who the hell wires a slap shot from the point in beer league pickup? Not even beer league. This is just straight. We rented ice time, and this guy showed up, and he was wiring slap shots. Like, what the hell? Calm down. Sorry, just you mentioned blocking shots, and I, I had to get that out. Yeah. <laughs> You're like riveting story. Yeah, no, great stuff. Um, no, that was a, 
That was a fun game last night, though. Holy shit, that oh. team. That team was so much better than us. Like, Yeah, but we had the better goalie. Oh, man. Thank God he was there. <laughs> Shout out Damien, our brother-in-law. Yeah. Great goalie. He, uh, last summer, almost single-handedly got us to the championship. Or well, he got us he, to the championship. he did get us to the championship. We just lost in the last game. Yeah, what was it, like 3-2 or something? Yeah, in a shootout. I in a shootout, right? yeah, because that's how beer league works. Uh, I'm excited for when our league starts back up again. Ah, it's basically going to be the same thing that we're doing now. But um, yeah, I guess yeah. That's true. Uh, shit, what were we just doing? Uh, we're going to talk about the draft. Oh yeah, that's right. Today it was announced that uh, the draft has been moved forward a few days, which is exciting. Ooh. The playoffs, I guess, are uh, moving ahead quicker than scheduled. So uh, we're going to get the draft on Tuesday, October 6th, and Wednesday, October 7th. Not really a fan of those days. Um, I'd rather it be a weekend. Yeah, and then I, I thought, like, oh, maybe they're going to start free agency on, on the Saturday because that would be really cool. That would be a good idea. No, it's on Friday. It's going to start up on October 9th. The Friday, the f- of, the yeah. Friday of Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend. Do we yeah, get that Friday off? No, we get Monday off. Oh, why wouldn't they do it Monday then? Well, because then you're waiting two more days. And like, I guess they should have just they should have just done it on Saturday. And you could, or or Friday, like yeah, no, on, on Saturday because it's uh, the free agency. Yeah, so if if you just do that, then it, it would be better. But maybe it had yeah. something to do with um, you know having to pay staff to come in an extra day for some companies or whatever, like all the broadcasters. At least Canadian ones, because the American ones, that's just another weekend for them, right? Yeah. Their Thanksgiving is until November. Yeah. But it, it's still just like if, you know, James Duffy and all these guys aren't going to be in studio on Saturday the 10th because there's no hockey going on, then why would you bring them in that day instead of just having them in on Friday? Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I may just take that week off, or at least I'll, I'm considering taking tuesday off uh first do you know what time the first round's going to start on the sixth i have no idea i imagine it'll be like prime time it's usually in at like seven thirty or eight o'clock is when it starts because it runs for like two hours the first round yeah and then rounds two through seven are done in a day yeah they're done in like an afternoon which i didn't know they're televised i found that out last year when um uh the day after uh round one obviously uh, I was just flipping through the channels and I saw NHL draft and I was like, Oh, are they doing like a rerun of the first round? And it's like, Oh no, they're in the second round. And then I watched Ottawa uh, draft Shane Pinto. And I'm just like, cool. I no longer give any kind of a shit about this and immediately turned it off. Yeah. At a certain, at a certain point after like partway through the second round, you're like, okay, now I don't know any of these players. I don't know who any of these people are. Not even partly through the second round. As soon as I, as soon as my team is done picking in the first round, I stop watching. Yeah, but even still, just in terms of the kind of players that are going to be available at that point, you, nobody's really paying super close attention to the guys in the mid second round and beyond. Yeah, so it's basically anybody that is ranked or yeah is ranked high enough that they could potentially go in the first round if they're not guaranteed to. Um, but yeah, that'll be an exciting week, and I I can't believe it that that's that's four weeks away. 
the NHL draft is four weeks from today when we're recording. Um, so it's a, it's pretty exciting. It means that the off season's almost here, which is always one of the um, the I don't know. For like two weeks, it's pretty fun, and then after that, it's quiet and nothing happens. Well, I mean, it's fun for us because. Well, it's fun for me because my team hasn't made the playoffs in a little while, and I just spend the first the few months of the playoffs just speculating all the trades and draft picks that are never going to happen. Like, imagine Ottawa trading their thirty-first overall pick and uh, and like a few seconds and uh, like Logan Brown for the eighth overall pick, and we get like Marco Rossi or something. It's like, yeah, that's not going to fucking happen. Yeah, that, but it's fun to speculate like, about. I've just barely made that happen in an NHL 21 franchise mode. I just ran through the other night. Just oh, barely managed to squeak a third top 10 pick in there. Mm. Man, that is, I've said it before. I, I think I've said it on this podcast anyway. Uh, if Marco Rossi's available at three and Quinton Byfield's already taken, you take Marco Rossi over Tim Stutzel at number three. Sorry, it's just with the draft being announced, it's gotten me thinking about it again, and it's just uh, I can't wait. My I really want to do not necessarily a mock draft, but like a pre-draft dedicated podcast, and I already have stuff that I've lined up for it, and I'm really excited for it. Obviously, as a bottom feeder team, that's all I have to be excited for for this offseason because I doubt we're going to be attracting too many free agents. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that might be an area that Toronto will be looking into, eh? Especially now with uh, Kapanen gone and looks like you guys are starting to free up some cap space. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what kinds of uh, players we can or the Leafs can uh, fit under the cap this season or this offseason. Uh, they, uh, it, it seems like there's a really good chance that Anderson's going to be moved in order to make some uh, some space. And if the Leafs do that, then uh, it's tough because then, then we're just going to be trying to fill two gaps with like $9 million of cap space instead of one gap with, you know, three and a half or four. Um yeah, it's going to be really intriguing to see what, what they do. Uh, there's some kind of obvious things that the Leafs are going to be looking for this offseason, mostly like size and um, a little bit of bite or an edge to the game, to uh, the player's game that they bring. Uh, I've seen some names tossed around today. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had an article where he interviewed uh, or he kind of had a discussion with Wayne Simmons about what he's going to be doing this off season. And he kind of floated out the idea of uh, would Simmons be interested in signing with the Leafs? And he was like, yeah, like as interested as he would be to sign with anybody else, I guess, but it would be intriguing to see Wayne Simmons come to the Leafs on like a one or two year deal. That's around a million per Obviously, that's not. That's asking a lot. That's asking a lot. Like it, it is tough for Simmons. He's going to have a hard time signing something that is like close to big money for him because uh, he's had injury uh, troubles over the last few years, and he's older now. He's you know he's in his thirties, and 
it took him two years to recover properly from this. Uh, it was like shoulder surgery or something else that he had. And just now he's saying that he's back to a hundred percent for the first time since then. So you, you don't know how, how much that's going to impact his play or for how long. So you don't, you know, there aren't going to be many teams that are going to be willing to sign him to anything longer than a year, maybe two years. And for much more, than like just a million or like a million and a half or something. It needs to be a really low risk contract for him to uh, actually play for a team, which is good for the Leafs because he's the kind of player that they'd be looking to get. And if they can get him to a low risk, like low cap hit, low uh, term deal, then that would be really good for them and slot him in on the third, third uh, forward line. Yeah, that that would definitely be interesting to see the Leafs do. What do you think about that? I mean, I think Toronto's issue won't be addressed with Wayne Simmons. Uh, I think um, I think if Toronto wants to do this high octane offense thing, then they need to commit to it. I I do agree that they need grit. But I feel like they could get that on the back end with a guy like Radko Gudis. Um, I don't think you need someone up front that's going to be this uh, like grinder, power forward-esque guy like Wayne Simmons because that doesn't fit the mold that the Leafs are trying to do. Like I have no issue with the Leafs uh, wanting to do this full offense thing. It's just it means you're def- – so long as you're, uh, your forwards are willing to defend – you don't need a guy who's going to go out and throw hits every, uh, every shift to be able to defend, right? Look at Vancouver and Elias Pettersson. Very skilled offensive player, responsible defensively, and makes his team better like that. Yeah, but the thing you have to consider with the Leafs is that the forwards that they have aren't, um, like, they're not tenacious on the forecheck, right? Like you saw with Columbus, their forwards would come in and hammer the Leafs defenders whenever they were trying to handle the puck for a breakout. Or they would just be, like, right on them when the Leafs uh, defenders got the puck back and they would just be relentless in uh, trying to stop them. And the Leafs forwards just don't do that. Either that's the game plan or that's just you know, their skill set that when they're forechecking, they're not in there digging or laying body checks. And if you can throw like, like um, Kyle Clifford out there, he did a pretty good job at disrupting breakouts against Columbus. And if you can get somebody else to play that same kind of um, disruptor game on the forecheck, that's great because if the, uh, like if a Zach office, Hyman or an Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, but even both of them, like they're not necessarily in there digging on the forecheck when the when uh, the opposition defense is trying to break out. You're telling me Zach Hyman isn't battling along the boards and no, I'm corner? no, he does do that, but it's when the Leafs are still on the offensive side of the puck, right? If I mean, like, I'm no, pretty sure he just does it anyway. No, it's more so when the Leafs are going into the Columbus zone that, okay. or into the offensive zone that you'll see Hyman going and digging for stuff. I'm not saying that he doesn't do it. I'm just saying that um, if the opposition's defense gets the puck back, there aren't many forwards on the Leafs that are on them, hounding them. Or like 
you know, the, the defense are taking their time trying to break out. They're, none of the Leafs forwards are in there trying to rush a decision out of the other team. So yep. if you can and, uh, get I know Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford to do that on two separate lines, then that's great. Or you put them on one line and just grind the, uh, the other team's defense into dust. Yeah. I mean, you'll grind their third pairing into dust for sure. Yeah, that's but all you're, they'll you're, be on the you're ice not against. always you're not always going to be out against them, right? You can no, catch, but more often than not, you can you catch will them be. in line changes. You can catch them in other places. And the good thing with Simmons is that he has the offensive capability, or at least he has shown that he has, to be able to play up higher if need be. He showed but that he, he had it. Yeah, he has shown that he had it. He has not shown. That's that he what I said. I showed that it. he had it. He yes. has shown that. He has the, or has had that ability. And even if like, it's, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and start off on like Matthew's wing or something, but in a pinch, he could probably be thrown up there and he's not going to be totally useless. It's not like throwing, uh, you know, Fraser McLaren or somebody with concrete fists up there. Also, I'm just looking at his um, NHL page right now. He is one point away from 500. Yeah. So that'd be kind of cool if he could get that. But just, I mean, looking at his stats, like he was really, really good in Philly, right? Like he played one, two, or yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in Philly. And even in his last season in Philly in 2018-2019, uh, when he got traded to the Preds, you can see the decline already. Like, uh, that season... Yeah, he didn't he have a very had... good season that year. Um, or this year. No, but he, he also said today that um, he hadn't fully recovered from surgery two years ago until now. I mean, that's fair. Also... So he, he's been fighting also. that the whole time, which makes it pretty difficult. Now, is that a symptom of like being rushed back too quickly or like rushing yourself back to play when you're not 100%? Or is it, you know, time defeats us all type situation where yeah. he's just getting older and his body doesn't recover the same way it did like seven years ago? Yeah. Also, uh, sorry, he played eight seasons in Philly, not the five or six that I mentioned. Also, yeah, um, he, he was he so has... good in Philly. He was always one of my keepers in a fantasy hockey league because he got like he gets goals, assists, shots. He's, he was on the power play. Uh, he'd get tons of penalty minutes. He'd hit people. He'd like block a shot every so often. Like he was great. He um, used to be a fantastic fantasy hockey player. What if I told you Wayne Simmons has only been a plus player in his career once, and it was 10 years ago? I'd say who gives a shit. Plus minus is nonsense. Uh, even if you were a minus 18, minus 16, uh, minus 16, minus 21 in your last one, two, three, four years? Uh, there's probably something to it. I don't think it's as big an issue as that shows. Because like he was a 30 he, goal he, scorer and a minus 18. Yeah, he could have been out on the ice for um, like empty net situations, right? Where his team is down a goal and he's trying to um, trying to force one with an empty net and then the, the other team scores on them. Um, that's a minus and that has nothing to do with his play, right? 
there was a goalie just, in the net, it would probably be stopped. There's well, there's lots of reasons to not really trust plus minus all that much. Like that many years in a row, yeah, there might be something to it. But also he played for Flyers teams that had shitty goalies. He also played for Flyers teams that always went went deep into the playoffs. Or not always, but Yeah, they could still make the playoffs and not be able to stop a goddamn beach ball. To me, having that stat is five on five, you are getting scored on more than you are scoring. Wayne Simmons, his bread and butter is power play, which is fine. It's fine to be a power play specialist, but he is, in my opinion, he is most effective on the power play, and when he is not on the power play, he's more of a hindrance than a help. Like this year, he got eight goals, five of them on the power play. Um, Like that's... Yeah, no, he's because he's got pretty good hands and a de- and a good shot, but he's also fucking huge, so he's hard to move. Yeah, so to you, me that just, says I can only confidently and comfortably play you for four six minutes a night, depending on how many power plays we get that game. All right. Other so than game, that, you're gonna get you're gonna be on the ice when we're getting scored on. So what uh, what were those years that you had of his minus year of like when he was a minus player? Uh, 2016-17 through until this current year. Okay. So do you know what PDO is? Uh, that's essentially puck luck, right? It, it's kind of, it's, it used to be a, like a, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the reductive definition of it. Um, it is a team's save percentage and shooting percentage added together. And the idea is that the closer you are to 100 even, um, then that, like, 100 is basically, like, totally expected. This is fine, normal. Anything above that is you're lucky because you're getting, like, really good goaltending and your shooting percentage is really, really good. Um, and if you're below 100, then... Um, that's bad luck because your shooting percentage is really, really bad and your goalie isn't saving anything either. Okay. So from 2014-15 until 18-19, Wayne Simmons had below a 100 PDO, which means... His goalie um, was bad. His goalie was bad and his team around him wasn't scoring all that much. Um, and then 18-19, he was at a 104.2, which is pretty high. That's the highest PDO of his career. And then and that since was his then, second. It, and then since then, he's been below 100 again. Yeah, because so, he played for New Jersey and Buffalo this year. <clears throat> so it it kind of goes to show that, yeah, the Flyers goalies from uh, 2014-15 until just a couple of years ago were pretty bad for the most part. Like, his PDO isn't anything crazy low, but it's still, like, 97, 98, which, you know, three percentage points in this is pretty significant. Fair. Uh, What if I told you Wayne Simmons in free agency will be the... Well, uh, Wayne Simmons in 2020 will be what Milan Lucic was in 2015. No. I, I like Milan Lucic had an outrageous drop off. Um, Wayne Simmons has been a lot more gradual. Um, 
nobody's going to expect him to score 30 goals next year. It's probably safe to say that he's, he would get something closer to like 15 goals and maybe like 32 to 35 points. Um, he's, there's no chance in hell he's getting a four or five year deal or whatever it was Lucic got. Uh, the only real comparison between them is you their, know, style. their style of play. That's about it. Um, no team that signs Wayne Simmons this summer is going to regret it in six years or in four years because there's still two years left on it. Um, it's going to be, he's going to sign for one year, maybe two if he's lucky. And it's basically to show people that uh, he's not like, like that, that his body can handle this and that um, he's still got like some value. So he, he's basically trying for a 30-point season or 35-point season to show that he can still hang with uh, the NHL. Yeah, he's going to sign a one-year prove-it deal kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I don't think Wayne Simmons would be the guy. Uh, I don't know who I, would I, I, don't, I think it's an interesting player to think about because he gives the Leafs something that they don't have a ton of up front. Um, but I do agree that he he shouldn't he's not like the target this summer, right? But um, he could be an interesting piece to pick up for depth. Yeah, exactly. Like the I, I was looking through um, Cap Friendly, the list of all of the unrestricted free agents earlier, and um, like I, I I was kind of bummed out because there's as much as you think there are all these big names coming to free agency, there aren't really at least not players that are like realistically going to be available to the leaps um, just yeah. based off of their um, cap constraints. Like uh, I I'm not paying any attention to Alex Petrangelo. It's not happening. No, he's the, Oh, pardon me. He's staying in St. Louis. All I know is he's not coming to Toronto. He's not signing for like 3 million with the Leafs. Um, he's already won his cup. There's not a whole lot of incentive for him to do something like that. Um, the guys I'm interested in are guys like Radko Gudis. Oh, uh, I like Gudis. And I, I know. And so many people have been saying for a couple summers now that he's, he's destined to end up in Toronto uh, because he does have the size and um, the grit, but he also. And the handedness. And the handedness. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I read an article from uh, Jonas Siegel on the Athletic today about like the the players, the the defensemen that the Leafs could target in the Western Conference. And yeah, the the big takeaway is that it is hard to find right-handed defensemen. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Kyle Dubas, if you're listening, um, I am a right-handed defenseman. Um, <laughs> so please just uh, message us on Twitter. Um, I'm pretty sure we're following you, so you just have to follow us back. But uh, yeah, uh, you'll even I'm, take league men. Yeah, I'm I'm available to, to start playing uh, defense for the Toronto Maple Leafs this coming season. And like I said, I I am a right-handed shot, so uh, keep that in mind, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you need me, I'm here. I I'll take like, you know, league minimum, a, a pretty bonus-laden contract. So um, I'll take that. that I, I'm a uh, I'm a team player. Is what I'll take I'm that saying. sacrifice of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That's right. Um, um any but, other 
I see that you wrote Dylan DeMello in our notes, and that kind of hurts me a little bit. Hey, I, I almost wrote Mark Borvietsky on there, too. <laughs> Get fucked. Yeah, I, I looked at his um, some of his underlying numbers, and as far as I understand them, um, they were super great. They weren't as bad as I used to think they were. Well, so- they're not as bad as they used to be. Yeah. It's not uh, used to think. It's used to be. Expected goals. Um, his expected goals for percentage was like not great, but he was Start right carrying. around. I think he was in like top 200 of the defensemen. So, oh, yeah. That's not. So, and yeah, not very good either. But um, well, I, I like Boar, though. His, the, his thing um, is the intangibles, right? Like he'll. He'll hit yeah, that fight, he, and he's, he's one of the best more, off-ice players in the league. He's a lot more valuable to Ottawa than he is to most other teams in the league, and it's a shame that the Senators don't, at this moment anyways, seem to recognize that. Um, yeah, I'm wondering each day – or sorry, each time a day goes by and I don't hear about a Borvieski extension, my heart hurts a little bit more. I think he's, he's the kind of guy that they could – they can take the time they need to evaluate their needs and they can come back to him like after free agency opens even, I think like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign with the senators in like mid October, a week after yeah. free agency is open just because they're going to want to go through and see like, okay, wh- what young kids do we have that we want to give a spot to, or um, who do we realistically think is going to be able to push for an NHL roster spot out of their young defenseman. And if they kind of look at it and say like, well, there's, you know, we can fill six spots without Borowiecki, but that's really um, depending on some of the young guys to actually show that they can hang in the NHL. So how about we just sign Borowiecki and if we have to waive him, we have to waive him. Yeah. I know. Um, I know the left side of Ottawa's defense for the future is, um, it seems like they want it to be Shabbat, Branstrom, Wolanin. Um, I think uh, Branstrom wants to play on the right side. He has said multiple times that he wants to. He's more comfortable playing on the right, playing on his offside. In which case, um, it could be Shabbat, Wolanin, Lajoie, or someone else in the system, like uh, uh, oh, Ty- Tyronic, I think is his name. Uh, he's a, I think he was a 2018 or 2019 second or third round pick by Ottawa. Anyway, um, we'll get into that stuff later. Um, I know that for Toronto, their biggest needs are grit, be it on the forward or the back end, and a right-handed shot defenseman. That's Those are the big ones. But if you guys are going to get rid of Freddie Anderson, do you think you address your starting goalie well, here, here can see. Yeah, we had uh, like briefly mentioned Dylan DeMello, but ha- didn't actually talk about him at all. Okay, uh, talk about that before moving on then. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, um, with uh, with DeMello, like I I was shocked by how good he turned out to be in Ottawa, and then he he seemed like he did a really good job in Winnipeg too. And I looked at his uh, some of his underlying numbers, and again, as well as I understood them, they looked pretty good. Um, especially relative to the kind of money he's probably going to make this off season. Um, probably like two mil, if that. Uh, let's see. 
Yeah, like his expected goals, he's above 50% expected goal percentage, um, which is pretty pretty good. Again, considering the uh, – oh, wait, no. Uh, I don't know what's going on with this chart here. Is it not cooperating with you? Yeah, it's being weird. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. Dylan DeMello. Yeah. Yeah. Over 50% expected goals share, which is good. And again, especially considering like some of the names that are immediately around him on this list, Justin Falk, who's signed for like 6 million 6. a year 4. or something. Noah Hannafin, who's a lot more expensive than DeMello. Tyson Berry, Calvin DeHaan, uh, Dustin Bufflin. Like they, these are all guys that are within just a, a oh he, he's up ahead of Thomas Shabbat, Zdeno Chara, Colton Pareko. So those are some pretty big name guys making some big money. And then right in the middle of all these players is Dylan DeMello. So um I know Sense fans were really, really disappointed when he was gone because he he did pair really, really well with Shabbat. Like the they had a very similar dynamic that Carlson and Mathot had where one was expected to produce the offense. The other was expected to just get that, get the other one, the puck and be responsible on his own end. And DeMillo was, DeMillo was that he was able to get Shabbat the puck. He could move it himself if he needed to. And he was very good in his own end and he was able to play really well positionally. And uh, I know personally, when I saw that he went for a third and Marco Scandella went for like a second and a fifth, I was pissed yeah that's just that's just name brand value i think um i think if demello was to be traded right now you could get a second round pick for him but i i know winnipeg had mentioned that they want to keep him uh if for whatever reason he does test free agency i would hope ottawa would at least call him you don't need to give him the sun and the moon or anything like that but just kick some tires with him. He's just not the kind of player Ottawa needs right now. He's too old for um yeah, he's too old to like stick around for when they're actually going to be competing. I think anyways, let's see. I think he's like 25. Yeah, like that's right on the edge because well, with his style of game though, he could keep that up into his early 30s. Potentially, Ottawa... but the the problem is is that when he hits like 25 26 when the team is supposed to be pretty good that's when he's going to be uh, able to go to unrestricted free agency and his contract is going to be a lot harder to, for ottawa to sign yeah i know he, that yeah logistically he's, he's doesn't... 27 he's 27 yeah okay yeah then maybe not because I I think if he, you say that may... Ottawa is going to be competitive in three years, that's when he's going to be two. Third. Two uh, years, like okay, competitive for the playoffs, sure. Two years, yeah, competitive for the cup, two years, <laughs> three at least. Okay, so then he'd be twenty nine or thirty. It's just at that point he's basically getting to the point where he's peaked and he's going to be on the decline. So he's. 
there's no there's no sense in him coming to ottawa at this point he's got to go to a a team that's got um higher expectations today and the leafs would be a good option for him but you're right winnipeg's defense is so depleted now that they would they desperately need somebody like this too uh their problem is that their their team is based in winnipeg yes yeah and nobody wants to go there at least not for like a reasonable price you have to be you have to overpay players to come to winnipeg is just the reality of it so kind of gives toronto an edge on uh on the jets but it's also all up to the player as well if he likes it out there for whatever reason then maybe i think he might actually be from the i think he might be from from london he's from london okay yeah so you know gta toronto maple leafs hometown boy also um there's a lot of players on winnipeg that have very modest deals you know that right yeah but when was the last free agent that they signed uh last year when they signed kyle connor and patrick line no from somewhere else and those were restricted free agents those players didn't really have any other options to be fair you said free agent and a restricted free agent is still a free agent no you know what I mean? Unrestricted free agent that decided Winnipeg. That is the place that I am going to go to above all of the other ones. Um, next, next shore. <laughs> it's a name. It's not uh, a good no, one. He, he did not sign with them. He was claimed off of waivers. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. Um, I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, the Jets can't sign players because no one wants I'm, to go to Winnipeg. Holy shit, I actually have nothing. Like, I'm looking at their cap friendly right now, and I'm like, he's been a Jet for a while, he's been a Jet for a while. Yeah. They traded for that guy and then re-signed him. And they then, draft players and trade for them. That's the only way they can get them. To be fair, though, they've done pretty friggin' good in that department. They Kyle have, Connor, but it, Line, it's Shifley, tough to keep Ehlers. that up if you can't also just attract even just um, – depth players because of you know the reputation your city has um it it makes it really hard to build a solid team and if demello doesn't like it there then he you know he's going to have a lot of other options to go to but uh yeah moving on to uh you want to talk about the goalies um yeah there's been a lot of talk over the last few weeks about moving on from frederick anderson and i didn't realize that his contract this year He's got a $5 million cap hit, but he's only getting paid $1 million. So, Yeah, isn't four mil of it in like a signing bonus? Yeah. So the Leafs have already paid that out, I think. Yeah, uh, July 1st. I'm pretty sure the signing bonus date did not change during COVID. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question is, Keeks, how many of your first-round picks do you think you're going to give up to get Frederick Anderson this summer? Uh, none of them because Ottawa's not that stupid. Uh, people already talk about Ottawa trading a first-round pick for Matt Murray, and that's yeah, like, hot I don't get and bothered. That. Like, now is not the time to make a trade like that. For Ottawa, it sucks that this goalie market isn't coming in like a year or two because that would be the point. Like when the Leafs traded for Anderson, that was right when, you know, they just won the first overall pick and it looked like they were going to be pretty solid or – yeah, it looked like they were going to be pretty solid for a few years. So they said, like, we'll get this guy now because he's the right age for us. And, um, you know, 
Anderson's been a really, really good regular season goalie for the Leafs. But I love, uh, how, you, I love how you specified regular season. And you know, he was he was really good for most of the games in the uh, play in this year. It's just yeah, but you were there's all Columbus. there's always the, yeah, but still, it's still the playoffs, right? And if you've got a if you've got a goalie or a player that you criticize for not showing up in the playoffs, then you also have to recognize when they do show up. And for the most part, he did. It's just those goals, those backbreaking, like holy shit! Of course that went through him. Like oh my god. Was it the was it Dubois who got one basically from the goal line? Yeah, with Marinson just holding L one in front of Freddie. Yeah, that that was the one that it was like, oh man, like yeah, I get that was a garbage line change, but he was on the goal line on the boards. You have to stop that. That's just. I think it seemed like Freddie was trying to cheat for the pass in front, and he got caught cheating. Sure, yeah, and that, that's part of the bad line change thing, right? If It's also if part of, oh, shit, it's Marty Marinson trying to defend this. Yeah, he gets a bad rap for stuff. He's, he's not great, but he, I don't think he's as bad as everybody makes him out to be. Fair. Um, you watch he, him more he, than I do, so you would know. Well, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you or I were on the ice with him, we wouldn't be able to get past him. But it's, you know, he's probably an AHL or a, one of those like tweener players. He's a quadruple A player, um, not an NHL player. Fair. But, I understand that. But if he were on our beer league team, he'd be the best player we had ever played with. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, back to the goalie discussion, though. Um, if you were to trade Frederick Anderson, what kind of return would you want? Uh, like it, keeping in mind, Captain got you a good first round pick and a B prospect. That's tough. Um, do you want futures or do you want players that will help you next season? Looking at the free agent market, I don't think there's a ton of guys that are going to be available to the Leafs in their like cap hit zone for me to reasonably think that we could get like one or two of them. Um, so I would say like, if we could trade Anderson um, from Jonas Siegel's article today, I read that um, one of the like hand, like less than a handful of players in the Western conference that are interesting to the Leafs, uh, could be Adam Larson. Yeah, he makes under five mil. He's a right-hand shot defensive defenseman. Yeah, he's not great, but you know, he, playing on the second pairing, he could be like pretty good or, or pretty close to like even when it comes to like goal share. Um, I I just don't know if one year of Frederick Anderson for you know maybe one or two years of Adam Larson I got it's hard to honestly it's hard to see who benefits more from that like Edmonton yeah you think Edmonton Edmonton. probably like a one for one Edmonton if you do Larson and a first I think that's more Larson and a, a first for Anderson like that 
Yes, I, a, yeah. a second pairing defenseman and a first round pick for a bona fide starting goalie. Yeah, I don't like the Leafs didn't pay that much for Anderson. Yeah, you did. You got rid of a first and a second. You gave him Pittsburgh's first. Yeah. We didn't we didn't give up uh well, we didn't give up a first and an NHL defenseman. A top yeah. four NHL defenseman. We gave no, up No, but I would say a second up round two pick magic and beams. Larson's trade value are basically the same. Uh, like you can't get Larson for a first round. I mean, I'm sure you could because that's how like betting and hitting teams against each other will get you. But Adam Larson's trade value is not a first round pick right now. I don't, uh, in my opinion, I think Adam Larson is a very solid defensive defenseman. I think he's on a reasonable cap hit, but he can't move the puck and he can barely skate. And those are the things you need right now to be effective defenseman in the NHL or to be uh, seen as higher end defenseman in the NHL. I think he's good at what he does. I just think what he does isn't as valid as it used to be anymore. Um, it, it's one of those things where it depends on who you pair him up with, right? Like um, you think of his whoever this new right-handed shot defenseman is, is likely going to be paired up with Morgan Riley. So they don't yeah. have to necessarily be a puck-moving player. They just have to be good enough at – disrupting the offense in order for one of the other Leafs players to pick the puck up and break it out. Right. Um, he just has to like not blow assignments and not let guys get in behind him all the time. Unlike a certain current right-handed defensive partner of uh, Morgan Riley. Former Sens top pairing defenseman. That's right. Uh, what a, pile of hot garbage yeah. i shouldn't say that because again if he was on our beer league he'd be the best player we've ever seen but he is uh, not an nhl player <laughs> i don't know i, don't I mean know. I, I can at least hit the net when i take a slap shot from the blue line yeah and you know what i've never taken a wrist shot that i've tried to get on net and hit the sideboards um and yeah my yeah. my wrist shot is not accurate uh, but yeah, with, with Anderson, like it's, it's tough to say what I'd prefer for a return just based on, I don't like, I don't see a team that is trading for him right now because there's just so many other options. Like, why would you give up assets for a starting goalie when there's all of these other guys that are coming to the market you can get for just money? Um, and yeah, but a lot of money, not this summer or summer i guess off season because uh there's number one there's so many goalies that that's going to drive the price down and number two it's going to be driven down even more because no one has any money no one has made money for six months yeah but you know one team is going to offer some goalies some ridiculous contracts i don't think we'll see any sergey bobrovsky level contracts no definitely this not. year it, especially it, not maybe not in the near future as well, just because of how the cap's going to work out. And also I think, I think the Bobrovsky and price deals have proven you don't pay $10 million for goalies. doesn't matter how good they are. Yeah. But if teams can avoid paying six or $7 million for goalies too, this is going to be the summer that they managed to do it because like I said, like the economic uncertainty 
worldwide, no matter what industry you're in, is making people, um, you know, you're less able to commit to a a big money long-term future because you have no idea what the world is going to look like in a year let alone three, four, or five. So none of these players are going to be getting four or five-year deals, I think, especially goalies, because teams are catching on that, you know, you don't need to have a goalie for all that long. You just have them when they're productive, and then you switch them out for somebody new. And, like, why would you commit to five or six years of Braden Holtby when it looks like he may not even be a starting goalie anymore today? Yeah. Uh, Jordan, sorry, can we pause quickly? I'm getting a work call. Yeah, sure. One sec. Go. And we're back. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, work never stops. It's uh, 20 after 8 right now, and I still get in work calls. And I probably will be until I go to bed. So sorry about that. But uh, back to our discussion about uh, goalies in Toronto. We're just going to wrap things up a little bit here. Um, in your opinion, Jordan, be either a goalie that Toronto would have to trade for or a goalie that Toronto could sign, who would be the best theoretical Frederick Anderson replacement? Uh, the best one, in my opinion, is uh, Robin Lehner. Um, just the way he's played the last two seasons now, he's been unreal. Um, he's around um, Anderson's age when we got Anderson. Um, Late I, 20s. I th- yeah, late twenties. Like I think Anderson might have been a year or two younger than uh, Laner is now, but um, yeah, I I think he would be the ideal replacement. I don't think it's super likely again because of how much cap space the Leafs have and the number of holes they have to fill with that space. Um, so somebody that I'm actually kind of intrigued by is Henrik Lundqvist. Um, Doesn't he make eight and a half million dollars? His cap hit isn't all that bad, but um, it sounds like the Rangers are likely going to buy him out. So that would kind of be my uh, my condition on this is don't trade for Lundqvist. I don't want to give up any assets for him. So if the Rangers buy him out, then yeah, sign him to like a low money deal because he's already getting paid from the Rangers. And then this is just you know, money to make up the difference or like get him a, a little bit more than what he was initially supposed to be paid. But um, I think if you could have a tandem of uh, Campbell and Lundquist, I think that could be an interesting goaltending team to go into next season with. Um, I don't think either of those guys are able to play like a full workload like Anderson was doing 60 plus games a season. But between the two of them, you know, basically doing a 41-41 split in a full season I think would be not bad and um, that way you can test out to see if Campbell's got what it takes to play more regularly as a starter Uh, but you've got the kind of security blanket of Lundquist of somebody who he's not anywhere near the goalie he used to be but I think he's still capable um, and likely capable in like short bursts as well in case uh Campbell gets um injured or just has like a couple bad weeks or something so that yeah Laner is my ideal pick but I am also intrigued by the idea of Lundquist coming to Toronto uh I'm just gonna say my quick thoughts on it uh I 
I think you're putting a lot of faith in Lundqvist. Um, uh, I'm not saying that he's a bad goalie or anything. I'm just saying I don't think he works as a tandem. I think he works best as a backup at this point in his career. Um, if I was a Leafs fan, the goalie that I would want would be Markstrom. He's basically Robin Leonard White. Yeah, the problem with Markstrom is that he's older and he's going to be looking for a long-term deal. He's 30 this year. Yep, that's yeah. fine. Four no. years? No, too old. Too old for a goalie, especially one that is just peaking now. Um, who knows how long that's going to last, especially considering his his roadmap of success isn't, I, I don't think anyways, what it's been this last season. So oh, this, this last season is the anomaly. I, yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's not necessarily as good as he has been this season. But um, like, I, I don't think it's 100% accurate to say that this year is an anomaly. I just think that it's like a little bit above what you can expect out of them in the future. And I don't want to have to commit $6 million or $5.5 million for the next four years to a guy that just turned 30. I'd rather do it for somebody that's, you know, 28 or 27, like Laner. And if we can't do that, then yeah, I'm fine with uh, Lundqvist on a one or two year deal or something to see if he's another old guy without a cup that can help boost these youths on the team to uh, give a shit during the playoffs. Toronto re-signs Spezza, signs Joe Thornton and Henrik Lundqvist this offseason. Just wait yeah. for it. And then... Yeah, jump up 15 spots in the uh, average age ranking of the NHL. <laughs> well, uh, I think we're going to wrap up the podcast with just a quick little bit of sense talk, which is great. This is my area of expertise. Uh, the Athletics, uh, Corey Pronman just recently put out a uh, article saying how Ottawa is the seventh ranked. Uh, I believe it's prospects prospect system in the league. Correct. Yeah, like it's it's their pool of players that are 22 and younger. Yeah. Um, so it, and, that, that could be players that are in the NHL or not, you know, not even in the AHL. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, a, a wide definition he's got there, and then he breaks them down into the tiers of player that he expects or kind of thinks that they could get to. And yeah, yeah Ottawa's ranked seventh. And uh, yesterday he, he released that the Avalanche are eighth. So that's to kind of give you an idea of what uh, teams are around the Senators in this. I think um, Ottawa could jump up to top five, maybe even top three after this upcoming draft. Yeah, I think that, that's probably a pretty realistic expectation that just with the picks that they've got, the two top five picks, like, yeah, that's going to get you. Ottawa's after this draft in a few weeks. Ottawa's going to have one of the best systems in the league, like or le- no, even, the best even more so. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, even more so than they apparently already have. Yeah. Well, I mean, his number one guy is. Um, I we won't get into every single one of them. Uh, the main things I want to talk about were uh, Brady Kachuk being number one is obvious. Uh, I mean, Brady Kachuk is all the makings of being. Uh, a 70 to 85 point player consistently in this league. I don't know about that, but sure. Um, If Matthew Kachuk can do it, Brady Kachuk can do it. I don't think think Matthew Kachuk has ever gotten 70 points. I think Matthew Kachuk got almost 80 points last year. 
I think you were under. You keep talking. Um, Anyway, uh, I think Brady Kachuk has the talent, the talent, the skill, and all the aspects of being a uh, top power forward in this league as soon as two years from now. Um, I think he's our next captain. He's the exact kind of hockey player that I love to see, which is a guy with some great borderline elite skill as well as a great physical game. Like I love Brady Kachuk's game. He's my favorite current and Ottawa Senator. And by the time his career is done, he might be my all time favorite Senator. Sorry, Alfie. Um, so I fully agree with him being at number one. I did not agree with Batherson being at number four. The two players ahead of him are great players. And I think there's a lot there. I just think Drake Batherson um, in regards to young players, not, in a full-time NHL spot, Drake Batherson is our best. He is an elite AHL player already. I believe he's only 22. He's got a big frame, about 6'3". He's a little over 200 pounds. He's got the vision of a great setup guy, but he can shoot when he needs to. Nothing in his game, I would say, is elite, but nothing in his game is anything lower than good, which is something that can be really commended. I offensively speaking so his skating his vision his passing and his shooting the worst things are good his defensive game like a lot of young players could use a bit of work but i think that'll just come with time he'll never be as selkie candidate but he'll i think he'll be able to be reliable or at least not be um a pylon in his own end um i uh i think eric branstrom was ranked a little low i think he was actually ranked lower than uh uh batherson yeah i think brand yeah i think brandstrom has the potential to be a number one defenseman on a good team he's very very gifted offensively he's got magic hands and magic feet if you watch the guy play in the ahl he makes those guys look like dummies he's a great player i think he's got great potential there is a bit of a boom bust element to his game because of the style he plays where it's either, either it's going to translate and he's going to be a top pairing defenseman or it's not going to translate. And he's going to be a very pretty skating bottom pairing guy or fringe NHLer. I think because of just what he's shown, he's leaning towards more of the top pairing defenseman, but uh, obviously time will tell. He is also I think just about to turn 21. So he's got a bit of time to develop. Uh, And obviously with these guys coming in the 2020 draft, I know third overall is kind of assumed that Ottawa will take either Byfield or Stutzel, whoever's left over from LA, which is fine. Um, I would prefer Byfield, but beggars can't be choosers. And at number five, the only name being related to Ottawa right now is Lucas Raymond. And that came from reporters, not me, which makes me very happy because if you listen to our previous episodes, you know I'm a huge Lucas Raymond fan. So in regards to that, as I said, the Senators' prospect pool right now might be seventh, but after this draft will be top five, maybe even top three. Uh, Futures bright in Ottawa. Uh, We're really good at developing players as well. I mean, just look at a guy like Mark Stone, who was a – I think a fourth or fifth round pick and ended up being one of the elite talents in the league. 
Um, so I have a lot of faith in Ottawa. I think that everything's going to go really well. Uh, and I think that we could be competing for a playoff spot as soon as next year. And I think we could be a mainstay in the playoffs as soon as two or three years from now. Um, so a few thoughts on what we were saying, Keeks. Um, you were right. Matthew Kachuk did hit 77 points, not this past season, but the one before. Um, so if Brady can hit that, then yeah, like that would be pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, I, I had always kind of seen him topping out as like 65 points, but, um, yeah, I, I could just not have a great read on that. And then yes, with, um, Batherson being ranked number four on this list, um, the other two guys ahead of him, it looks like kind of uh, the main difference between them is that Drake Batherson is a year older than them because they're Which all. Which I kind of assumed. Yeah, they're both forwards. They're around the same size. Um, yeah, it just seems that he he's a year older than the other two, year and a half in some cases, and um, that that probably just plays into it a little bit. Be you know, if if they're all eight eight out of tens, but you know, one of them is a year closer to being at his peak than the others, then it's, it's hard to rank him as having more promise than the other guys because they, they've got more time before they hit that peak than he does. Um, and then, yeah, with Brandstrom, it's like, I remember when um, the Mark Stone trade was made and it came out that Brandstrom was coming back to Ottawa. There was a lot of hype about him being like, one like, the next Eric Carlson. Yeah, the the hype was pretty close to him being the next Carlson, or just him being like the best defensive prospect in the NHL. And now it seems like that's changed quite a bit, because um, Pronman's got him as being like a high end and like on the bubble of being a high end or very good player. So it he could either be a top line or a top pairing defender, or he could be like a top four defender floating around in there. And he doesn't kill penalties apparently either. When the stone trade was made, Bob McKenzie said that Eric Branstrom is an elite level defensive prospect who should be in the same conversation as Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. That was before any of them played a single NHL game. Wow. That's crazy. Yes. I have a lot of faith in Eric Branstrom. I think a lot of people expected him to take that next step this year, like McCarr and Hughes did. I think the fact that he wasn't able to should not be a complete slight against him. Like some players just take a little bit longer. I'm fine with waiting for him. Unlike McCarr and Hughes, he wasn't a top 10 pick. He wasn't even a top 15 pick. Give him a bit more time. He may need it. And if he does need it, that's fine. Give it to him. If it gives you a Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr-like player in the end, just takes an extra year, I'm okay with that. I have no issues with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you have anything else to say about any of the uh, draft stuff for the Senators? Oh, just um, Bobby Ryan also won the Bill Masterton Trophy. That was announced uh, yesterday or today. So that that's pretty good news. Um Certainly well-earned for anybody that didn't know Bobby Ryan this year um, left the Senators to go check himself into the, uh, um, the league substance abuse program, I believe. And he, he was getting some help for some uh, alcohol addiction. 
and then he managed to come back in the same season and then his first game returning to the Senators, he scored a hat trick, which was just unreal. So um, certainly well-deserved there. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure all this voting was done um, before the play-ins and the playoffs started. Oh, yeah, because Oscar saw a lot of people, Yeah. I Oscar saw a lot of people Bum, saying that with fighting cancer this year. Yeah, he returned for a game in the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not going to get into the the debate over who had the bigger struggle. That's just unethical. Yeah. Um, I think uh, any of the guys nominated for that award, basically any year, are well deserved and could win it. Uh, it's really, really special, obviously, to win it to see Bobby Ryan get it after all the struggles he's had and what he was able to do, like that hat trick in his first game back in Ottawa was one of the best feel good moments of the 2019, 2020 season. Uh, The only other ones being Oscar Limblom starting again, like we said, and some other third one that I can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah. But like, like congratulations, Bobby Ryan. Congratulations for everything that you have worked hard towards and achieved off the ice. And um, I look forward to seeing what he can do on the ice in these coming seasons now that he's a changed man. Yeah. I, I don't think it's um, controversial to say that he's likely not the same player he was. I, he's definitely not the, the player Ottawa thought that they were acquiring when they got him like eight years ago or whatever it was like, holy smokes, six seven. years ago, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. The, the off season of either 2013 or 2014, I forget which one. Yeah. It was the year that Alfredson left to go to um, Detroit. Yeah. And I can't remember if Alfie retired in 2014 or if his last, or if his last season was 2014, 2015. I can't remember. I think that was his last season. And then which he was with and, Detroit. Yeah. In which case, it was the off season, so it would have been July 2014 that we got yeah. Ryan. Yeah, um, but go continue. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously not the same player that Ottawa thought they were getting back then when they traded for him. Um, he's probably topping out at like 10 to 15 goals a season. Um, hopefully, he can keep his hands from breaking because uh, oh, that seems that that was uh, that was his like big injury issue over the last few years. Um, and it's both hands too. Yeah. It's both hands, both all of his fingers. Like it, oh, he's just going to have the hardest time when he retires. He's not going to be able to like grab anything, but yeah, it's um, going to have major arthritis by the time he's 38. Yeah. Like it's, it is kind of good in a way that um, the senators are in the position that they are with rebuilding because they need contracts like his on the books. Um, and it takes a lot of pressure off of him too, because it, I can't imagine it's easy to not perform up to the expectations of your contract and then also have that contract like immovable. Well, he was asked about that at a press conference at the beginning of the year. And um, he was saying like, cause you remember when Luongo was in trade rumors out of Vancouver and he had that famous, my contract sucks quote. Yeah. Bobby Ryan, when asked about his contract, just starts laughing. He's like, well, I'm not going to say it sucks. I get paid very well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, a good good little tidbit and a good little slice of what Bobby Ryan's personality is like. Yeah. 
But yeah, you're right. Ottawa got him expecting him to be in the consistent 30 goal scorer that he was in Anaheim. Cause I and think he, he had never like, has been with Ottawa. He's never gotten more than I think like 23 goals with Ottawa or something yeah. like that. Nothing more than I think 56 points. And um, he, he's like a third line player now for the senators, but yeah, if you know, if he can keep being a third line player until his contract is done, then that's fine. That's, that's all Ottawa needs. Um, they just need him to be there, chip in every once in a while, and then pick up some cap space. And then, yeah. you know, he can retire having had, like, a, a pretty solid NHL career um, by a, a lot of people's standards. Like, he, he scored some goals, um, played on some pretty good teams, and then came and played for the Senators. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that trade ended up not being too, like, looking back on it. Yeah, it's not them... super consequential for either team. Like, the best player that came out of it was um, Silverberg. And... It depends on how you look at it. Bobby Ryan's had more points since then. It's just Silverberg's a little better two-way. Well, yeah, and he was a better goal scorer, which is what Ottawa was looking for in Bobby Ryan. I don't even know if he was. Yeah, Silverberg... I believe he put up more goals than Ryan. Um, and Because Silverberg only this year topped 50 points. Um, here, you keep talking. I've got to look this up. But yeah, sorry. Just to go on like you were saying uh, with the Bobby <clears throat> Ryan trade, like he – it was one of those trades that, from my understanding, was in the works before um, – the whole Alfredson situation went down. Uh, and I know he was brought into when he was brought into the organization story, a lot of fans saw him as Alfredson's replacement. And there was an interview with him. I forget when it was, I think it was a year or two ago. And he was expressing this. He was saying like, yeah, you know, a lot of people expected me to replace the face of the franchise of the last two decades. And, you know, obviously that puts a lot of pressure on someone who's brand new and, what we didn't know then, but know now is Bobby was struggling with these off ice demons. And I'm sure the pressure like that, especially coming from a Canadian market will, will definitely get to you and will have an impact on you. Like as small of a market as Ottawa is, and it is a small market, both in comparison to the the rest of the league and even just Canadian teams for that matter. It is a very, there is a lot of, pressure on these players because in Ottawa we only have two major sports teams we have the Ottawa Senators in the NHL and the Ottawa Red Blacks in the CFL and there may not be a lot of fans but the ones that there are of Sens fans in here in Ottawa they're loud and they are very opinionated and to say like oh he can just tune that out no no player can I don't care what any player says you will always hear the criticism it's just some of them some of them just don't care. And Bobby Ryan is not one of those guys. He, he seems to really take to heart what people think of him and what people say of him. And having that kind of pressure on you when you have a personality like that, it's going to affect you mentally. And when it affects you mentally, it affects you physically. We all know that. Um, but just to kind of loop it back around, the fact that he was able to get, get past his demons – get past the mental block that he had because he said he tried to get sober by himself and it just didn't work. So the fact that he was able to do this, 
like you said, Jordan, the fact that the Sens are in a position where uh, he's able to do this without any kind of pressure on him because there's no pressure on the team to succeed. I think it was the best case scenario for him. And I think he's only going to get uh, uh, better off for him health-wise going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just looked up. Um, it's actually kind of surprising how close um, Ryan and uh, Silverberg um, how they've performed since the trade. Like Bobby Ryan scored 266 points in 455 games and Silverberg has 272 points in 510 games. So like they're fairly close. Silverberg's played more. Um, he's also scored 21 go- uh, more goals too. So it really seems like the only thing that makes that deal a loss for Ottawa in terms of performance and um, what's happened since then is really the contract that they signed Bobby Ryan to. Um, had they signed something closer to like four million instead of seven, then I think the trade is looked at a lot more positively. But uh, you know, knowing what kind of money he made or he was signed to just, it did make it tough to live up to. And like you said, mentioning that uh, he was acquired on the same day that Alfredson left, that uh, certainly didn't set him up for success right away. Yeah. I mean, I think, especially since fans opinion of him has kind of turned around, especially since the 2017 playoff run, because he was very good in that playoff run. Uh, He got, he got one game-winning goal against Boston and I think another game-winning goal against Pittsburgh as well, and both of which in overtime. And um, he was almost at a point per game. And just the entire, I guess, the opinion on him from Sense fans kind of changed and shifted after that playoff run. And now he's just – he's one of the darlings of the organization. Like, fans love him now. I've never had anything against him. Like you said, it was just the contract sucked for us, not for him, obviously. Um, But now it's one of those things where, yeah, the contract is a lot, but it doesn't matter. We don't have anyone we got to pay yet anyways. So now he's just able to just do his thing with no pressure. And I think he's a lot better off for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty well out of time here. Do you have anything else you wanted to mention before we uh, head out? Um, Vegas and six, Tampa and seven. Oh, yeah, I guess that. Eh? Oh, shit. I'll say Tampa and six. And... I've picked against them every single round so far, and they keep moving on. The Stars? I picked Dallas in seven in the hopes that that means that Vegas wins it. <laughs> I know. I keep going against uh, Dallas and the Islanders, and I'm doing it for, I think, the third third series in a row now, but... I mean, I guess we'll just wait and see. On paper, Tampa and Vegas are the two best teams still standing. So it would make sense that they go to the cup final. But as we know in hockey, the best team doesn't always win. Yeah. About 50% of the time that happens. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah. 
I guess uh, we'll be re- recording again on Sunday, eh? Uh, sure. Yeah. Who knows? Unless we forget again. Yeah. If we forget or get too busy, we'll see. We're, we so, said um, we would be consistent with this and obviously we are keeping to our word. Um, so yeah, just keep your eyes on whatever app you're listening on, um, for the next episode. And, um, in the meantime, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at little hockey pod. Uh, you can follow me, Jordan at uh, on Twitter at um, JSMALL1771. That's at JSMALL1771. You can follow Keegan at LIL underscore little 28. Um, make sure you're subscribed to the show on whatever app you listen on. Uh, please rate and review us. Uh, five stars will read your reviews on the show. Um, and please follow, unfollow, and refollow us. Like I always say, that helps us climb up the algorithm on whatever app you're listening on because uh, for whatever reason, they just only count new listeners instead of all of the other things they could count in order to get us to climb up the charts. So please do that. It'll really help other people find the show. And if you don't want to do any of those things, then uh, just like tell some of your friends about us. Uh, anyone that likes the Sens or Leafs because we could really use some new listeners and like we always say the more people that are listening the more incentivized we are to uh, upgrade our hardware and other things in order to make it a better listening experience for you Um, so please spread the word to friends and family or other you know co-workers whatever Um, and rate review us subscribe to the show follow unfollow and refollow All of those things help us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. Uh, As always, guys, that's it for us from now, and we will see you when we see you, I guess. I don't want to promise anything. (laughs) Yeah, catch you later, everyone.